0: Travis the BamaOnline.com staff following the Alabama Crimson Tide's 52-24 victory over the Texas A&M Aggies Saturday afternoon at Bryant-Denny Stadium. I am at the BOL home office. We have Kirk McNair. We have Charlie Potter down at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Nick Saban has just wrapped up his post-game comments, so we're certainly going to update you. With those, as we move throughout the latest edition of Instant Analysis, did I get lost on the way to the J.D. Davison commitment party, by the way? How about that for some in-game news? How you doing, Rashad? Good to see you. Thanks for joining us here on Instant Analysis. Can't say I recall anything like that during an Alabama football game where, oh, what about the third quarter break? Alabama picks up a commitment on the basketball front from the top point guard for the upcoming recruiting cycle, the current ongoing recruiting cycle for the class of 2021. So that was certainly some big news for Nate Oates and the basketball program there around 5 o'clock Central on his birthday, no less. How about the week for Antoine Petway on the recruiting trail, by the way? Last Sunday... Uh, It was Jason Holt, the 6'6 wing out of the Atlanta area, and then uh, to cap the week on Saturday, Twan picks up, uh, Pet picks up a big timer, top 20 player in the country in J.D. Davison, but certainly a lot of football to talk. Susie, how are you doing? Mason, welcome aboard, my friend. Wateria, good to see you. Sandra, yes, everybody piling in here. Uh, A lot to get into on instant analysis uh, post-game big, big day, right, for the Alabama offense, specifically the Alabama passing game. Hello, John Mechie. How are you doing? Saw some flashes of it last week, didn't we? A couple of catches for 40-plus yards out at Mizzou, but then uh, didn't take long for John Mechie to really solidify himself as that number three receiver. A 78-yard touchdown reception there to get the scoring going for Alabama. Came back with a 35-yarder a short time later, and just like that, Alabama had its first 100-yard receiver in a game against Texas A&M since Amari Cooper back in 2014. Speaking of 50 bombs, that was a 50 bomb six years ago at Bryant Denny Stadium, wasn't it? 59 to nothing uh, that game over there. So uh, big, big day for Mac Jones. Did have the one pick off the deflected pass. Uh, that was a tough one. The deflections don't always go Mac's way, do they? yeah they don't seem to anyway but otherwise you look at the numbers 20 of 47 435 yards four touchdowns and the aforementioned interception mac jones averaging over 16 yards per attempt today against the texas a&m aggies not per completion per attempt when you talk about per completion alabama averaged nearly 22 yards per completion uh, the run game i know some of you aren't going to be happy about that Uh, Alabama wasn't exactly prolific on the ground. But again, when you're averaging 16 yards per pass attempt, uh, that's probably going to take away from your rushing numbers a little bit. That being said, I thought in the fourth quarter when Alabama, really in this era of football, the fourth quarter when you have the kind of lead that Alabama had, that's when you want to be able to run the ball. I think that's specifically what Nick Saban talks about these days. When he talks about controlling the game, and it wasn't a hundred-yard quarter for Alabama in terms of the rushing offense, but Brian Robinson in there—they uh, did rush for fifty-plus yards in the fourth quarter. You know, time of possession—just to tell you how antiquated and outdated stats have become. Remember when time of possession used to be at least a semi-big deal? Well, going into the fourth quarter today, Texas A&M had the football a full quarter more than Alabama did. It was like 37 or 38 to 23. Um, You know, 37 to 22, I think it was, something like that. And when Alabama wanted to try to condense the game, control the game a little bit there in the fourth quarter, it was able to do so. One time of possession, uh, ran the football fairly effectively. I've said it before, I still miss Keelan Robinson in the fourth quarter. I miss that juice. But Brian Robinson did some nice things. You saw Trey Sanders. You saw Jace McClellan in there. Did you notice that? Last snap of the game, that was Jace McClellan getting a tote. I think it was about a six-yarder. Not bad. But the Alabama offense in general, once again, just so dynamic. And, again, the addition of John Mechie uh, to go along with Devonte Smith, also Jalen Waddle. And so in the process today, you end up with two guys who combine between Mechie and Waddle for over 320 <laughs> receiving yards. You know, remember those concerns about this offense, maybe losing some of its explosiveness with Tua and Judy and Ruggs moving on to the National Football League? Yeah, hadn't been a problem to this point anyway. Defensively, a little bit up and down. You're still going to worry about the back end a little bit after today. We told you throughout the week, if you the read the, pre- read the pre- preview pieces – including the matchups, including the five predictions for today's game. We told you, Jalen Weidermeyer and uh, Smith, Aniah Smith, were going to be guys that were going to be central figures in this A&M offense, and that certainly proved to be true. Alabama uh, struggled at times. You know, is just a physical talent, whereas Smith is sort of a hybrid wide receiver running back. He's going to give you some matchup problems. Um, but I thought Christian Harris was really good once again today at the weak side linebacker position. Caught Alabama in the blitz. Harris coming on the one blitz. AM hits Smith out in the flat. And you don't get the tackle made there by Daniel Wright on the sideline. Nick Saban talked about that post game. Wasn't happy about that. Give Daniel Wright credit. Comes back a short time later, pick six. So that helped. But you did see DeMarco Hellams, as the game moved on in the second half. You saw DeMarco Hellams in their summit safety to go along with. Jordan Battle. Battle had some some nice plays, and I thought throughout the game today. I thought Malachi Moore. Malachi Moore was probably Alabama. I don't think there's a probably. He was Alabama's best defensive back today at the start position. The true freshman showing some real growth. Took a few lumps last week. Didn't think he played poorly at Missouri, but there were some certain certainly some learning moments out there in Columbia. Um, but was almost perfect today. You know, I had the interception there late in the game. Um, A guy that you can tell, as we've talked about before, with the experience he has at corner and also at safety, uh, that's pretty invaluable and obviously a really smart dude who does his work during the week in terms of preparation uh, because he had a couple of shaky angles after the catch last week, especially later in the game. You didn't see that today. He was pretty much in lockstep with his guys' Corners were fine. Patrick Sertan, Josh Job once again. But those safety spots and also some matchups with linebackers uh, in the passing game. That's going to continue to need to be a focal point. Pass rush, I thought, was okay. Christian Barmore made a little bit of a difference there. Uh, it was nice to see some tackle for loss production as the game moved along. You know, at halftime between the two teams – They had combined for just one tackle for loss. Told you what kind of first half it was when you're talking about 49 points between the two. But that sequence right there at the end of the second quarter where Anais Smith drops the fourth down crossing route had a really good matchup on Christopher Allen. He drops it and Alabama quickly goes down and gets in the end zone on the hellacious grab by Devontae Smith. It's a 35-14 game Uh, and that pretty much was the deciding sequence there. But uh defensively, Alabama still with some things to work on as much as anything it looks like Alabama knock on wood, I know right there we go. knock on wood looks like came out of this one too, in good shape from a health perspective. You saw Jalen Waddle leave the game briefly there, kind of hobbled in the third quarter, well then he comes back and you know hits the deep ball for a touchdown, so I'm gonna guess he was. He was just fine. So from a health perspective, Alabama looks to be in pretty good shape as it will shift its focus to another Disciple. The Disciple Tour 2020 continues on. Jimbo Fisher today, Lane Kiffin next Saturday, Kirby Smart in two Saturdays, and then Jeremy Pruitt up in Knoxville on October the 24th. What do you got for me on this uh, on this post-game edition of Instant Analysis? John Saylor asking, how is middle linebacker – A weakness for this team. Well, I'm not going to jump on Dylan Moses too much at this point. I thought today was another step forward in terms of level of competition and probably for Dylan, the speed of the game. And, you know, there are some situations like the touchdown to Aniah Smith. You're not going to win that with really any middle linebacker in college football. You know, Aniah Smith is 5'9", 5'10", 190 pounds, and he gets that matchup, and Nick Saban talked about it. I think Dylan was actually supposed to have help over the top of that. But instead, Alabama, the defensive backs, and linebackers double-teamed Weidermeyer, the tight end, and that left Dylan in a tough spot with uh, aniah Smith. aniah Smith, I said it throughout the week, aniah Smith is sort of a and version of Kenyon Drake. That's what he is. Mason asking about possible Heisman talk for Mac Jones. Yeah, I think he's got to be in the discussion. You know, I think there's multiple SEC quarterbacks right now that you're going to talk about. You know, we'll see coming up here in the next little bit how K.J. Costello responds to that historic performance of his last week down in Baton Rouge with Mississippi State hosting Arkansas tonight. Kyle Trask looked really good again today for Florida. You know, quarterback play in the league is – is at a high level right now. You saw a high-scoring game uh, this afternoon also up in Lexington between Kentucky and and Ole Miss. And I think part of it, too, I tweeted this earlier today, I think part of that, too, with the passing yardage and the big numbers that we're seeing from passing offenses early in the season, you know, when I look around the SEC right now, and, Bob, we'll get to the running game in just a minute, we talked about it a little bit earlier, is – You are in your nickel and dime so much these days. And so if that's the case, what is your secondary depth like? Do you have quality options at star and money in Alabama's particular situation when you talk about the nickel and dime positions? And do you have some disruptive pass rushers? Can you affect the quarterback with the pass rush? And when I look around the SEC through two games, there's not a lot of teams that jump out at me. In that regard and even last year when you had more of them you still had offenses like LSU and Alabama putting up huge numbers the difference is I think this year you could have five six seven teams it could be more Big 12 like in the SEC this year than it even was last year I know that is nails on a chalkboard to some old heads around SEC fan bases but that's what I see so far yeah, the question about the run game, uh, look, as I said earlier, I'm with you. I know that they would love to see more balance at least. And it's in today what the thing was, it wasn't so much the it wasn't so much that the numbers in general weren't big that, you know, they ended up with after sacks taken out with 109 rushing yards. It's that their average yard per carry for their their guys weren't really good. Now, Brian Robinson's fourth quarter helped. He ended up finishing at six yards per carry, but Najee is a six yards per carry guy for his career, and he was at 3.6 today. I'm sure they're going to continue to look at some things in terms of what's the best way for them to run the football. It seems like they've been more edge oriented, outside zone, some of that stuff. I'm not sure. As big as their offensive line is, if that necessarily fits them exceptionally well, they know far more about that than I do. But um, I'm sure that's going to be under evaluation. The the, the thing, again, as I said earlier, at least they ran the ball in the fourth quarter, which is what you at least want to be able to do in today's game. Because you can throw it around for three quarters, hit all those explosive plays. And I said earlier – Nick Saban is not going to stop throwing the football if he's averaging 22 yards per completion. I don't know a coach out there that is. But there's going to come times in games where you have to be able to run it. I wasn't a fan of the third and one sprint out to the left by Mack in the first quarter. To me, that's a situation where if you truly do have one of the best offensive lines in all of college football, you go get a yard with a 230 pound back behind that offensive line. Instead, we saw a very Pac 12 ish sprint left with a right handed quarterback that went incomplete. That was my biggest complaint, probably from a play call perspective all day. Mason asking about Daniel Wright. Um, kind of a mixed bag, yeah. You know, I mean, you, you can't let Aniah Smith stay in bounds. On that one touchdown play. That can't happen. Um, At the same time, as we said, he answered with a pick six. And as we talked about earlier, too, we did see DeMarco Hellums in there with Jordan Battle at safety some in the second half. Osiris with an interesting point about um, the East-West game in the offense. And and I talked about that just a minute ago. I, I don't know... If this offensive line is exceptionally well built for trying to work the edges a lot, um, You know, they're more of a mauler type. I mean, they can get some push. I mean, you saw Brian Robinson. what was it, the fourth quarter? That was what you want to see more of, especially in the fourth quarter, where it essentially turned into a rugby scrum, and they were able to push the pile, literally, with Brian Robinson in that offensive line. Um, you know, And I'm going to say this too, uh, it, it, it helps when you have another back that is like a Kenyon Drake um, or it is like an Aniah Smith today for Texas A&M that is a little more sudden in some ways. What have we talked about in the offseason a lot with Najee? More explosive runs, more runs of 20 yards or more. Um, That's not necessarily the way Najee's built. What I think you could see more of if you really want to work the edges and keep defenses honest is more jet sweep stuff to Devontae and Jalen Waddell. I could see more of that coming into play um, and trying to stay more between the hashes maybe with the backs they have. Tim, my biggest issue with the offensive line probably as much as anything right now is the continuation of the penalties. You know, that's got to stop. You know, Kurt Flood and Nick Saban, especially. And Nick Saban talked about it during the week. Uh, it sounds like it's reached the point with those guys where there's some prices being paid for it. But then, really early in the game today, we see, some, uh, we see some penalties. We see some false starts. We see some illegal formations and things like that. So, you know, they still have some things to clean up. But, look, it helps when it's second and 22, right? And you can run a slant and go to Jalen Waddle, and he just runs right by the safety. It's not a not a bad luxury, is it? What else do we have today? Yeah, I mean, Daniel, there's certainly continuity issues that every team is dealing with from COVID nineteen. And absolutely you cannot just totally dismiss or discount, you know, the effect of that and the disruption of the routine for all these teams and these programs, really going back to the middle of March. And so, uh, you know, that's uh, it's kind of the way it is right now. Um, you're still sort of navigating that process. Just look at the NFL news today. You know, it, that probably gave me as much perspective before a single snap of college football today as anything else. I appreciated college football more Today, at 11 a.m. than I have at any point this week because when you see issues like you see now with the Patriots, the Titans, and when the NFL starts having to move games around, that makes you take a little bit of a step back. Oh, yeah, at the high school level, no doubt about it um, because it was really totally shut down for a while. And it was really with the, with the college level. Wanda, you know, it hasn't been ideal defensively, but there's also sort of a market correction you have to make, in my opinion, in terms of just how football's played these days. You know, those 2011 days that weren't all that long ago, what, nine years? Football, offensively, really, it still comes down to blocking and tackling largely. But, man... Offenses have figured out so many ways how to get the ball to playmakers in space on easy touches. I'm not talking about the ball being in the air for 15 or 20 yards. And so many of these guys now, you've heard Nick Saban talk about it, it's harder and harder to find legit corners because anyone that is dynamically talented starting at eight years old is playing on offense. So a lot of these guys, you're having to try to convert at some point in their football career, and, and I've said it before, the rules are set up now you know, to benefit the offenses, no doubt about it. What else do we have, gang? I'll tell you what, right here I'm going to put in a plug for the Bama Online podcast, which this will archive to and upload to and we certainly hope you'll join us on the Bama Online Podcast. And so here we go right now with that. It is instant analysis following Alabama's 52-24 win over the Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, Mason asking about the difference between playing in front of only 20,000 fans. Uh, you know, just around campus today, I-, I wasn't in the stadium this afternoon, but I did go out and about earlier today. Uh, it, it, it didn't even feel like a day down around the quad and on campus, because even on a day, you know, you've been able to tailgate and set up on the quad and do things like that. Uh, just didn't really have that feel at all today. So very much different from that perspective. Uh, Nick Saban talked about it throughout the week. You know, these guys have to generate their own sort of energy and enthusiasm you know, and, and kind of get themselves going. Winning has to be enough. Uh playing time has to be enough because you're constantly being evaluated in that regard. And I think that's still going on with this Alabama team at a couple of different spots, not just on defense, but you know, some various areas of this team. Including special teams. You know, I think the punting situation, it wasn't important today, but you know, you saw sort of a mixed bag there from Sam Johnson. He had, I think, a 40-yarder, but then he had a 26-yarder that looked like it went off the instep of his right foot and over into the Texas A&M bench. Rashad, I thought the defensive line was pretty good today. Um, you know, it wasn't Quinnen Williams, Isaiah Bugs, uh, Deron Payne type level, um, but I thought it got better. Like I said earlier. You know, the negative play production sort of ramped up with the outside linebacker position and extension of that. Um, you know, still still need Christian Barmore to be the kind of guy he can be on a consistent basis. I thought the dime package was pretty interesting a couple times today. If you saw the dime rabbits, had Barmore on the nose, and I think you had four linebackers on the field together because you had Dylan Moses, Christian Harris, and then – Uh, You had Chris Allen, and um, you also had uh, Will Anderson out there. And then on one-fourth down, and here's my thing about the safeties. Probably write this in five predictions revisited. If your safeties are going to bust coverages, why not go Todd Grantham and bring them right up the A-gaps on fourth down? (laughs) I don't know if I've seen many times when a Nick Saban defense has brought both safeties or two safeties right up the A-gaps, but we saw that on the fourth down there. I think it was in the, was it the third quarter? I'm, I'm getting the the 51-year-old memory. But um, they did bring both the safeties right up the A-gaps and were able to get off the field. So, you know, LeBron Ray's going to be a solid player. He's an every-down player for you. Barmore being there helps. Uh, I thought, you know, Fidarian Mathis flashed a couple of times today. One thing about Phil is that, you're going to get top effort each and every rep he gives you. Um, you know, he's not a future first round pick by any means. Uh, but in terms of motor and those things, you can, you can trust him from that perspective. I thought uh, Byron Young, uh, you know, had a nice play behind the line of scrimmage. Boydby still flashes from time to time. You know, I would say growing is the best way to describe that group still. I just think, yeah, I mean, they do give up some cushions at times. But, you know, you got to be able to tackle in space. And until they showed they were going to be able to do that, you know, A&M wasn't going to stop with the sort of quick game and that approach that they opened the game with. And until you can sort of narrow that gap and close quickly and with authority and tackle – you're not going to force a guy like Kellen Mond to have to sit in the pocket, go through progressions, and make some throws outside the numbers and down the field, and you also got to get some pressure. All right, gang, are we good? Are you still fired up about J.D. Davison? Tim asking about D.J. Dale. Um, you know, at this point, I think D.J. is a base nose tackle. I think DJ is, when you go nickel and it's second and five and you still have to honor the run, then you have DJ out there and some nickel looks. Um, But when you get into more pass rush type situations, you're going to have other guys on the field. I think maybe this expectation that, uh, thank you, Scott, I appreciate that. I think this expectation that sort of DJ Dale was just going to Jump in there and be DeRon Payne because he's in number 94. That maybe hasn't been realistic if some folks have had that expectation. Um, but he's just a true sophomore, too. Same for a boy, be same for young. You've got a, what, fourth different defensive line coach in as many years. Uh, it, it's going to take a little more time, I think, for those guys. But I didn't think they were bad today. You know, I thought they were fine. Hey, gang, we're going to get out of here. As always, appreciate you joining us here on Instant Analysis. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday evening of college football. We're going to be with you throughout the weekend with continuing coverage following Alabama's 52-24 win over the Texas A&M Aggies. Big J.D. Davison news on the men's basketball front. The five-star point guard from the Calhoun School. Is it Lido Hatchie? Alabama, stand up, Lido Hatchie. Yes, we know you're out there. But a big, big, huge pickup. Another one, Nate Oates, Brian Hodgson. And now, in this cycle specifically, a lot from Antoine Petway. team effort. Look, these guys want to play 94-foot bas- uh, basketball, and that's what Nate Oates is going to give them the opportunity to do. And so big news on that front as well. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody.